What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I've never seen such universal, um, you know, congratulations. And saying, you, you've got to hire this guy. I mean, that, that's pretty extraordinary. I, there was one instance when I was at an MLB meeting at, at, at the dinners that MLB's holding. I'm sitting at the bar, and two people come up to me and go, you've got to hire this guy, okay, unsolicited. And so, you know, that, I think that demonstrates how much respect David has in the industry. And, um, and I'm just so excited to have him on board and, you know, to – bring on the next chapter of the Mets. I, I want to thank my, my friends and family, my wife Whitney, um, our kids, uh, Nora and Austin. Um, it's, it's meaningful for me. It's cool for me that um, our kids get to grow up Mets fans now, um, that, that we get to share that, um, that we get to live this journey together, and they get to experience a little bit of, of what I experienced as a kid growing up um, as well. What hasn't changed organizations' quest for truly sustainable competitiveness, and ultimately our first World Series championship since 1986. I'm here because I believe that's attainable. That is our goal. And I can assure you we will do everything we can to make it a reality. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, this is my home. It's, it's nice to be back. Sustainable competitiveness. When does that begin? 2024, 2025, or beyond? Our goal is to begin that now. Um, we, uh, we are going to put together and do our best to put together a team in 2024 that is competitive. Um, and we're going to do it in a way um, that does not detract from our competitiveness in the future years. Um, that is, that's a needle to thread, um, but, but that's, that's our goal. And that should be our goal. Um, we're in the biggest market in the country. Um, we have plenty of resources. Uh, and, and so we're going to um, aim to, to put together a competitive club next year that our fans can be excited about um, and, and ensure that we're doing it in a manner and in a way that doesn't detract from those future years. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Wednesday morning, October the 4th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the Talking Mets Podcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. 
And you can share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as RisingApple.com. You know, something real quick. I mean, here we are. We're starting with a non-sequitur. Now that it's called X, should I still say in the intro, send me a tweet? I mean, I've said that intro so many times. Like, I can can pronounce it in my sleep. That's, That's the beauty of radio because you don't see me. That's why I don't do video. Here it is Wednesday morning. I literally woke up an hour ago. I've been planning to come to you. There's no way I could get my hair combed, you know, powder my nose, all those fun things, and be able to come to you with this great show, this great content. Uh, And then I just keep saying to myself, I keep saying tweet, but it's X, but I'm not going to send you an X. I'm not going to X you about David Stearns, right? So anyway, you don't want to hear a debate about Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Um, welcome in, you know, midweek edition of the show. As you know, when we do these kind of midweek editions, something big is going on and something big went on at City Field. Something big went on at City Field on Sunday, uh, about 72 hours since the Buck Walter firing. I've had a chance to marinate, calm down. I was very, very upset on Sunday. I think a lot of you guys, uh, saw that. And, and quite frankly, as we went into the final days of the season, and I, these are, of course, very unscientific polls. But I think if you really redid the poll on Twitter, you would find that support for Buck is 50-50. I mean, there's, there's a lot of managers become very, very polarizing. So, you know, I was upset. And, uh, you know, I went into the press conference on Monday, especially after I read a little bit about how he was fired. And I'll get to that. And, uh, you know, I was... I was kind of not wanting to like David Stearns on Monday because you always get that impression of a smart, analytically driven, progressive, new age front office exec as somebody who, you know, is all about the computer, all about, you know, the intelligence, but very little about the people interaction. And and look, um, as I suspected, David Stearns won the press conference. There was no way. I mean, if he lost on Monday... It ain't going to get any better. I said this about Brody Van Wagenen. I said this about Beltron. I said this about Buck. I said this about Epler. On and on and on and on. You're going to win the press conference. We really didn't learn anything. Uh, We got to our first impressions of Stearns. Well, we may have learned a little something about Pete Alonzo. But, I mean, I'll reiterate, and I've been talking to you guys about this for a while. And I think Evan Drellich over at The Athletic even wrote about it. This is a hard job. Steve Phillips has talked about it. I've talked about it on this show. This is a hard job. And I think it's gotten harder since Cohen took over. And no, it's not just the money. The money puts the expectations through the roof with the fans. But let's really face it. Steve Cohen took over in November of 2020. We are now, it's 2023. We're three years. It's almost three years of the Cohen ownership. And the job has gotten harder because you've had three managers, you've had three GMs, you've had two president of baseball operations, you've overhauled the player development part of this team. I mean, since I guess it was 2018, they've had five farm directors. That's insane. I didn't realize that until I read that. I think that was Tim Britton of The Athletic that put that out there. The Cohen newness has worn off. 
you know, he's done some really nice things. He clearly cares about the organization. The fans love, you know, the focus on history. He's more accessible and he's in front of the media more in the last three years than the Wilpons were in 20. And look, you're starting to see the effect of Cohen. Prices are going up. We talked about it. We had a little season ticket analysis a couple of weeks ago. And I really believe frustration is mounting because, I mean, Mets fans went into the season. The money was spent, highest payroll in the history of baseball, and you got the 1992 Mets again. Maybe not the same level, but you got the same results. And and it's the Charlie Brown in the football. We all talk, and, and the media likes to eulogize George Steinbrenner and look back finally of George. But you and I both know anybody who is old enough, but before 1996 and even going into 1996, nobody was sold on George Steinbrenner. Everybody hated him. They need to sell the team. The Yankees will never win with George. But even George had only two managers and two GMs. If you go back to 1973 when he took over the team, George only had two managers and two GMs. And I think McPhail was on the way out. Lee McPhail was on the way out before Tal Smith. And, you know, maybe changing the managers year one. That makes sense. I mean, there's been way more chaos on the cone. Now, not of all is, is his fault. The off-the-field stuff with Jared Porter and Zach Scott. I mean, that's that wasn't his fault. You can't predict that stuff. So, so much has been thrown about him. I laugh because people were, like, posting how disheveled Cohen is. See, Cohen doesn't know what he's getting into. You know, the Midas touch doesn't last forever. Now they're, like, evaluating his hair and stuff. The guy was probably up late trying to make some money. And, uh, but... Look, the guy's getting $10 million a year reportedly, $50 million to run this team. Uh, He's a homegrown guy. And as you heard Cohen say in the introduction, it's universally praised by the media and the industry. And how rare is that? I mean, when we see moves made, how often does the media and the industry, I mean, nobody has said, I mean, the most you can say is a criticism is Evan Drellich saying, hey, good luck with this thing. This is hard. And I think Evan made a really good point because what really is success for David Stearns and the Mets right now? This is I'm coming to you just hours after Jerry DePoto, uh, the Mariners GM, former Mets reliever, talked uh, to the fans out in Seattle about how the goal is to win 54% of the time in over 10 years. Maybe you win some, maybe you lose some. He basically threw the baseball experience into a probabilistic outcome to sound like Billy Epler. That's the world we live in right now. And he's right. I mean, he's definitely right about that. But that's fantasy baseball. That's stratomatic baseball. That's not what fans who are going to pluck down 20 Gs of season tickets to go experience their favorite team at the ballpark wants to hear. Realistically, we know part of sports, if you are in the big, the big chair, the chair that David Stearns is in, is you can't go out you know, throw everything up against the wall every year and, and like a fantasy team, try to win it because you'll wind up in a bad place and it could set you back. But there's a a middle ground to that. But it's a fair question. And Jolich asked, it, asked this question. Is it the World Series? Is it becoming the Dodgers or the Yankees? You know, Cohen wants to become the Dodgers. Or is it good and entertaining baseball? Or is it all the above? And what's success? Because you're not... We could compare this hire to Theo Epstein and the Red Sox. And there's tons of similarities. But baseball is not in the same place it was in 2003. It was being revolutionized by analytics. It was being revolutionized by 
you know, about almost a hundred years of ways of looking at the sport was thrown like a bunch of cards on the floor, like a deck of cards. And Billy Bean and Theo Epstein and and Bill James' disciples said, "No mas, you're looking at it wrong." And and now, at least in the the professional game for a decade, it has gone mainstream. So David Stearns is coming in, and he's not here to to tell you there's a new way of looking at things. He's trying to take the principles that are out there and put them into a formula for sustainable success in a market that has no patience, that wants to fire people daily. Uh, talk radio, which is going the way of the dinosaur, is becoming more toxic. You have people like me now that have access to bringing information to you. Every day on Twitter, it's like an open you know, guy at the bar, gal at the bar, giving their opinion. A lot of uneducated opinions. Polls going up. The media needs to fight for clicks, so they're going to try to put out thought-provoking, sometimes uh, toxic information. So you almost don't want, I mean, if I was running a team, I would read, but I don't know if I would read everything and, and I think it would drive me crazy. I mean, I got to tell you, if I was the, running the Mets, just going on Twitter would drive me crazy. I'd want to scream and say, can you understand how this game works? And that wouldn't be productive because I probably would get in trouble. But on paper, Stearns is, is really the perfect fit. I really liked... The story. Guy grew up in New York. We heard about the Upper East Side. We heard about him interning for the Mets. He understands the market. It's not like he's coming with an outsider view. He understands Mets history. I don't think that you that people don't understand how important that is. The story about him sneaking in as a Mets fan. And whether, look, sometimes people like to tell stories about their childhood and lionize it. I, I'm assuming this is all true. But for him to be a guy that, as a kid, snuck in... And, and watched the 1998 Mets and, and, and grew up in an era that a lot of us, myself included, remember very fondly and remember the highs, the lows, the frustration, has a, a barometer, has a, has a benchmark of what went wrong and why the Mets are where they are today. That's really important. And understanding that pain and understanding that passion, I hope it's not going to all of a sudden make him uh, throw to the side good team building business building principles but at the very least he could understand why you can't just come in take a Pete Alonzo and throw him into the ocean because you want your own first baseman or you want to you know trade assets he's not always going to look at things that way he's going to have to make tough decisions but he's going to understand it like when he was a Mets fan how would he feel and how does this play into the bigger pie which is your stakeholders, your fans, the entertainment part of what baseball is. He's built the a team. He's built the franchise on the tightest of budgets in a market that, you know, maybe it's not Tampa, but it's pointing more towards that. He understands the value equation, something that the Mets haven't done well, even when they've tried ever, really. So he's a perfect fit from that standpoint. He understands the yoke. He knows. He mentioned 1986 in his press conference. He knows the anvil that's on the back of this franchise. They have been paying for 1986. Whatever deal the baseball gods were made by somebody with two outs in the 10th inning of Game 6 in that October of 86 night, that deal still exists. They haven't let go of the baseball gods. He presented himself very well. I mean, that to me was one of the big takeaways. Uh, he was engaging. He was affable, humble. 
he didn't throw the smartest guy in the room mantra at everybody. He actually, uh, in the scrum uh, I was reading, he deflected some of the success he had in Milwaukee to his staff. I mean, that's important. I mean, I've always said to people, anybody who knows good, basic business building principles, team building principles, any kind of industry, you as a leader should never be threatened by smarter people in your cabinet or with you because, yeah, could they take your job one day? Sure. But if you're good, first of all, they keep you keep you on point. They make you better because you're going to learn. But you can't do it all. You don't have all the answers. And there's always, always someone better than you, smarter than you with a different angle. And how you use that in your cabinet uh, is important. Uh, that's part of the the collaboration. He, you know that the, the you know it was written that there's like holdovers from Zach Zach Scott and Jared Porter and from Sandy Alderson and from Brody. And he's not saying that those are bad things. Now, I don't know if all those guys will survive because everybody kind of wants to work for somebody they know, and there's always that anxiety about the new guy or the new girl coming in and shaking things up. And I think to a certain degree, and I'll get to the manager before we are done. I think that the the one casualty of that was Buck. I don't agree with it, but you know that's that could happen. Um, you already saw some uh, changes before Stearns was announced with player development. I think one of the best compliments I heard, I was listening to Eduardo Perez on Sirius XM Radio yesterday morning, and he gave him a great compliment because when Perez was a coach in Houston and Stearns was there, he talked about how David, working in that front office, would talk to a Perez. There's a guy that comes from baseball, a great baseball lineage with his father. I mean, he goes way back. There's a lot of baseball knowledge. Eduardo's a great SiriusXM host. He was in line to become the Mets manager. Who knows? I mean, Steve Phillips kind of intimated that Eduardo probably want to apply for some of these jobs again. But in Houston, he listened. Here's a young guy in Houston, you know, late 20s, smart guy, went to an Ivy League school, one of the best schools that are out there. I know that's arguable for some people, but on paper, one of the best schools out there. And he's listening to a former ball player, a jock, who, uh, you know, a lot of times they want to, you know, guys like that want to put those guys on ice and put them as far away from the decision-making process as possible. So affable, smiled, uh, you know, I didn't get any sense of phoniness. Andy Martino reported that his initial uh, conversation with his front office went well, morale is high. So everything is good. You really can't, lose on on Monday. You can't. But you really didn't win anything. Now, did you really learn anything about the plan? Did you learn anything? Not really. You didn't really learn anything. They want to compete in 2024. He admitted that's going to be hard. And I've said, rebuilding and winning, and I don't see any other way right now in this team's history, in this team's time. If they were the Yankees, if, if Stearns was taking over for Brian Cashman, and he was doing that, press conference, you know, 10 miles away in the Bronx, five miles away in the Bronx on Monday. He could rebuild. There, There is no way a Yankees fan, new fan, fan that grew up watching Mantle, a fan that, that grew up with the 96 Yankees, there's no generation of Yankees fan, unless they were born yesterday, that could criticize anybody coming in and blowing that organization up and taking a huge step back for two or three years. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 
because the Yankees haven't done it since the early 90s. I mean, I don't know about you, your age group, but when the Yankees were bad, I was at eighth grade, freshman in high school. It's a long time ago. I'm still a young guy, but it was a long time ago. So if, if, if I, you know, if you have had 30 years of basically being in some sort of race, even this year to a certain degree, you can't, you can't be criticized for taking a five-year plan. Mets don't have that, partly because of the new owner, partly because of the competition in the market and the lack of success they've had and the teases they've had, especially coming off two years ago, uh, a 100-win season. So they have to do this. And, you know, it makes you throw up when you look at Miami and you look at the wins they got to get in, that even with a dysfunctional, injury-riddled, disappointing season, no Edwin Diaz, Mets should have made the postseason. And you got this this three-game series which is truly randomness. I mean, the wild card round is truly randomness of randomness. That's why I think they should have a wild card week. I've said this. You win your division, you add another playoff team, there's four teams in the wild card, and you have like a round, a tournament. Let, let that randomness just go to the, those that didn't win the division. Again, you're adding another tier. Maybe you got to take away some uh, regular season games. You know, take away, you know, a week of regular season. You'll make up the money in the postseason. Nobody's showing up to the... I, I'm not going to get into this today. Nobody's showing up that final week. Whatever gate you're getting, I, I think, could be made up with a, a postseason. That's the one innovation I would do. But again, another conversation for another day. Stearns talked about the minor league pipeline. They need that. They have to do a better job with that. I'm not expecting them to churn out Ronald Acuna Jr. every year. But, geez, could you give me some bullpen? It looks like maybe we're starting to see some pitchers develop. I don't know what Hefner's future is here. I know he's had a big say up to this point. Since he was hired about four years ago, uh, with the pitching, I wouldn't change Hefner. We'll see what Stearns is going to do. If you want to compete next year, you can't upset the cards all over. Buck is about as much shock to the system, and, and obviously rebuilding your player development staff. That's as much shock to the system that you can probably give an organization and still expect there to be some functionality to the goal of winning. So... You know, we knew about that. We knew they were trying to compete. Billy Epler told you. you we already knew going into today because the moves were made that they were going to make changes with their, uh, their, their minor league and their player development. Now, you did learn that they want Pete Alonso around at least for next year. And, you know, I would think hearing Stearns, understanding where he's come from, understanding, you know, growing up at a time when they acquired Mike Piazza and signed Mike Piazza, and there was a lot of off-the-field and on-the-field reasons to sign Piazza. The symbolic part is is just as uh, important. Uh, I would uh, I, I would think that, uh, you know, that would be something that, uh, you know, he would take seriously. So, you know, you didn't really learn anything new there. And by the way, any radio guy who goes and says he's heard that the Cubs are going to go all in for Alonzo, anything coming out of radio, rumor-wise, throw it in the trash. It's usually not true. It's just meant to spur conversation. Because over the next coming weeks leading up to the hot stove, while the rest of the whoever's left is in the postseason, we're going to throw out big ideas. We're going to talk about players. We're going to make speculative moves. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. I mean, if you remember, we did a show with a panel last year. We brought up all sorts of players that the Mets could go after. None of which came true as we, you know, did our big ideas panel. You know, so now as far as the manager, 
would I do it differently? Now, I understand, I understand the contract thing. I get it. He was on the contract with Milwaukee on Sunday, which those are details. Personally, if I was coming in already having blown up the starting to blow up the player development, I would have sat down with Buck early Monday at midnight. You know, I know Buck probably wants to say, hey, David wants to meet with you tomorrow. That's what I would say. I don't know if Buck really needed the send off. Now, maybe they thought because that was the plan to fire him that it would have went over better with the players to say goodbye. Maybe that was part of the plan. Maybe they felt firing Buck on Sunday, getting the players face-to-face to say goodbye, giving him some sort of send-off. They clearly were ready for it. Um, maybe they felt that was the better option. I'm not sure about that. I feel like you shanked him from the shadows, you put him in a position where he had to quit, and you took a manager that had one of the most, next to 86, had the, the second most wins in team history. And you threw him in the trash like, you know, he was disposable. He was, he was as disposable as Louis Rojas. He was made as disposable as Mickey Calloway. And that's not fair because he's not that guy. But that's done. You know, that's over with. Stearns has the right to come in and have his own man. He didn't do that in Milwaukee. But the bar is really high. I mean, Buck is a good manager. You may not like Buck. You may not like some of the folksiness. I get where the manager's job is going. These guys want someone. And Stearns basically said it. They want someone that could sit in that office with the front office as they churn out their plans for the bullpen, their plans for the rotation, their suggested lineups, who should play, who shouldn't play. And they really want you to take that and just do it. You'll have input, but in the end, it's not your lineup card. It's not your bullpen. It is between 7 p.m. and 10 or 10.30 p.m., but they're expecting you to take that script that's in whatever book you're using, whatever binder you're using, and stick to it. And if you go outside those lines, you better have a damn good reason. Your main job is to manage the clubhouse and to be a face for the media. Because Stearns will be the face for the media, you know, maybe once a homestand, once a month he'll come out and do his thing. Epler's off off the radar. Right? Epler's doing grunt work. Epler's going to go to Japan. Epler's going to work the waiver wire. Epler's going to be part of that cabinet. You know, you know, he'll be the gym. Like, he's going to be a cog in Stearns' wheel. And he's not, I mean, you can see the difference between Epler speaking to the press and Stearns, night and day. I mean, we'll see how things go. You know, the Mets start out 12 and 19 next year. Let's see how Stearns, <laughs> how the smiles are coming out of his mouth at that point. But that's another thing uh, altogether. So they want them to manage the media. They want them to manage the clubhouse. You still have the control of the bullpen, but all of that stuff is script. So the way I look at a manager, that's going by the way of the, of the dinosaur. Once Dusty... Bochi, I think Buck gets another job. I think Buck becomes either the Yankees manager at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants look him up. Don't Buck will get another job. If Buck wants to manage, it sounds like he wants to do. He's going to get another job. If I'm the Yankees, I would have waited off on keeping Boone. I would have brought Buck in. But, you know, they're also a lot like the Mets over there. So you can't do that. So the bar is really high. And usually I see, and I know this, this, this is going to be a, something that you're going to laugh because it's exactly what Stearns was talked about being part of the Mets for a year. So it's like everybody thought it was a fait accompli. Turned out to be correct. Now they're they're treating Craig Council like that. And the Mets really need, whether it's their Tito Francona from 2003, how the Dodgers found Dave Roberts, who's a well-spoken guy, former ball player. 
uh, Craig Council, Milwaukee. They need somebody like that. They need somebody to come in and be their Davey Johnson or Terry Collins, how Collins came in and was here for seven years. You can't keep changing this thing every two years, especially as you have a core of players now and guys like Nimmo and McNeil and Pete that, you know, if they're going to be here, if they're going to be part of this core offense for the next five years, they don't want to have three managers in the next five years. And the fans have to understand you can't just keep throwing the cards on the floor and reworking them uh, every time you don't get what you want because that creates instability. And look, Pete was upset. You heard the stories about him wanting to go to Cohen. Uh, it's going to create, and I don't know how they're going to do council because let's say Milwaukee doesn't get eliminated in the Let's say they don't go to the World Series or play deep. Let's say they get eliminated within the next week or two. And I know you're all rooting for that because you guys all want Milwaukee out so they can interview Council. You know, November 4th, November 5th, you start interviewing Council, who's going to have other suitors, potentially, depending on how many jobs are available. Uh, you know, maybe you go down the rabbit hole with him, like, within a week, but free agency is, like, a week away. Like, you need to... And look, Council's not, or anybody, manager's not going to have a lot of say into the, the roster. They'll, they'll they ask questions, but... Ultimately, the plans will be laid out. They're going to have plans. Like, free agency is five weeks away. Like, the Mets aren't going to sit around and wait for the World Series to be able to start planning their offseason. They've already started doing it. So, I don't know how you go into free agency and start recruiting big fish like a Yamamoto in Japan, like Otani, maybe trade for Soto, but, you know, and, and potentially talk about resigning Pete. If I'm Pete, I don't know if he resigns here now. He wants to see who his, his boss is going to be. You know, and hopefully Stearns uh, and Cohen has been involved in that. And I got to tell you, I think Cohen is, uh, it, you know, he said it at the press conference, and I know this for a fact, he's going to do a lot of, hey, talk to David. Cohen wants to enjoy the team. He wants to have some of his, you know, press junkets. He wants to enjoy the spoils of spending $3 billion on this thing. But he doesn't want to be the team president in a lot of ways. You know, I was reading Bill Madden's article in the Daily News He's been acting like a team president. Apparently, it sounds like they didn't even Billy Epler didn't even want Buck. I mean, when I read the article, and there's a you know a blurb, it's a paid subscription about you know how Epler treated Buck, you know basically throwing him into the the shadows. I mean, if they're blaming Buck for this year, I'm sorry. Did he manage the bullpen as well as he normally does? No. Uh, did he defend his players more to the media than probably you like? Yes. Uh, I still feel like when you see the send-off that Buck had, I still feel like, how can you look at that and think that that was a bad manager? I mean, that's not common. He was only here 24 months. So the bar is very high for Stearns. And, you know, you're casting a wide net. And look, when I start hearing about, there's the obvious guys. Let's, let's say if Dusty Baker, uh, I know Tito Francona is available, but he's not healthy and it sounds like he wants to take a step back. A Dusty Baker... You know, uh, I don't, I don't think um, you know Texas is going to fire their manager. Uh, they're not going to fire Bochi. You know, Buck is off the market. I don't think Girardi is looked at in the same way since his Philadelphia experience. You know, they're going to be looking for somebody uh, that's going to be, you know, potentially a name that's either a bench coach, a hitting coach, an organizational guy. Uh, you know, we heard the other names: Joe Espada, Carlos Beltran, John Gibbons, Eric Chavez, even Kevin Long, who interviewed for the Mets job a few years ago. His name has come up. You know, you hear all that. You know, look, I even was given a name of a guy in the Rays organization. He, he managed Team Italy, Blake Butera, who uh, they spoke very highly of. Even Piazza, I, I know for a fact, uh, back in the WBC, Piazza spoke very highly of him. 
and and, and I asked him why. He's like, look, he knew how to communicate and really, you know, not just disseminate the information, but knew how to talk the modern language. He knew how to interact with the modern player. Now, are we saying, and, and do I think they're going to, you know, look at a, a Blake Butera? I don't know. I know that that's a name that, you know, from the WBC that came out there. And look, if a Mike Piazza, who's an old school guy, as much as you guys don't think a Mike Piazza is an old school guy because we grew up watching him, he's an older school guy. I mean, it's a guy who played for Tommy Lasorda. And that doesn't get more old school than that. But that, that's the point. You're not. I have to let this go because I've been talking about this. This team is not as ready made to win as they were the last few years. They're going to be good, I think. They're going to be competitive. I think with the wild card, the bar is not that high to get into the tournament. But they're not this ready-made veteran team where I think a Buck or a Girardi, which I deem necessary after 2019, I don't think that's the same way. If Dusty's available, would I hire him? I would absolutely. But that also doesn't fit the next five to seven years. Dusty typically, I mean, he's lasted in Houston a while and, and done very well under a tougher situation than maybe the Mets have right now. But everywhere he's went, he's turned an organization around. So if you want to win, you know, that's the guy. And then I've always said I thought the vision was Buck, older guy, three, four years, maybe five years the manager, and then groom somebody to take his place. I'm not sure that's what they're going to do. Because I don't think there's a lot of Billy Martins or Bobby Valentines or Tommy Lasorders or Whitey Herzogs or Davey Johnsons or even a Joe Girardi out there. I mean, maybe in a decade to 15 years. And maybe Council's that guy. But I even look at Council and I say, hey... Why would he leave Milwaukee? Now, I know I saw the, 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 the quotes. You know, he's not signing an extension. He's open to anything. And to me, you, if you want to get paid from your current employer, you've got to do that. But his, he's, he's from Milwaukee. He's from Wisconsin. His kids go to school out there. He's, he's living in a better tax state than New York. You know, different type of living. If you grew up in that environment, unless you're really tired, and he's got a good team. Now, maybe he looks and he sees Stern's gone. You know, he's got this, you know, he's got an owner that's that's on a shoestring budget. You know, you got Matt Arnold in there. But Stearns has, has been an advisor. I mean, he's gone. He's out the door. And he's not sure what the future holds. And he doesn't want to get stuck for five years with a team that's not able to have the resources to compete. And that doesn't excite him. And, and he's willing to take on the challenge. Look, from a standpoint of media cachet, counsel makes all the sense. Because who the hell knows what a Blake Butera or a Carlos Beltran or a Spotter or John Gibbons or... You know, who's got some experience, or even an Eric Chavez or Kevin Lowe, what are they going to, you don't know. I mean, Gibbons has been managing for a long time. Long time. He's had his own issues, too. So, I don't see a Gibbons either. I, I really think, and that's the thing, they've got to be right on this. Because if they bring in, and please God, no Gabe Kapler. If they bring in their version of Gabe Kapler without it being Gabe Kapler, like the Phillies did, when they were starting to make their ascent, I just think that... um you know that's gonna be that's gonna be bad, and that especially if it goes bad year one, uh, assuming that Pete doesn't sign an extension long term, you're not gonna start getting people saying I, I don't want to be here. Yeah, I love the Mets, I love the organization, I love the fans. Hey, Steve, you're great. I can't deal with this anymore. I mean, this is a critical hire. It's critical because this is the guy that's going to interact with the locker room, with the clubhouse, with the fans daily, and you know. I get it. He wanted to have his own guy. But I personally would have had Buck another year. Even if Buck wasn't my cup of tea, I would have Buck another year. I I really think you should go into an organization and learn. Now, Epler has a lot of influence, and he might have sat with Stearns and said, look, 
I'm telling you, this isn't your guy. And it sounds like listening to Madden, Bill Madden, the Daily News, that that was the case. And I think that that's wrong. But, you know, that's the world we live in right now. That's the managerial world we live in. So, look, to really summarize here, I don't know if I'm giving you on this show anything different than you, you've heard on SNY, on ESPN, MLB Network Radio. It's hard. I mean, look, I'm saying a lot of things you've heard already. The wrinkle I'm giving you is that I, I, I think that this job is harder than most any other in baseball. And I think Evan Drellich's article in, in The Athletic was the best. The bar is so much excitement. The bar is so high for Stearns. I just don't know if he'll ever meet expectations. He's here at 10 years. He wins a World Series in one, has a couple other competitive seasons where he's in the playoffs, has four eh, seasons and three a little bit better, but short seasons in terms of the playoffs. Is that good enough? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that would be something in a decade that we talk about, hopefully God willingly on this show. If they win a championship, I think all things are forgiven. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for a consistently competitive functional organization that entertains daily. I don't expect, I can't put down, well, they need to be the East Coast Dodgers. What the Dodgers and the Yankees have done, the Yankees for 30 years, the Dodgers for a decade, is tremendous. I mean, the Dodgers have become the Yankees in the sense because here's Jason Hayward, he's on the scrap heap, has never had a really good offensive career after his first couple of years, has been a major disappointment on one side of the ball, overpaid free agent that you paid for defense years ago, St. Louis. And... You know, I'm saying to myself, he goes to the Dodgers as a component player and he hits 900 OPS. J.D. Martinez finds his stroke over there. Like, that's when you have it. That used to be the pinstripe bump, the Yankee bump that we used to see that over the last five or six or seven years has gone away. And they're trying to recoup it and get it back. You know, can the Mets get to that point? I mean, look, I hope so. But that's asking a lot. And Stern's even damped down the expectations. He's like, look, I don't have a, a secret sauce. I'm glad to hear that because... You know, he has never said he's the smartest guy in the room, but everyone else has said that. So, uh, so look, the Mets, I think they won the press conference. Despite my anger towards Stearns for the Buck decision, I have to say he came across really well. I think he checks all the boxes. I think that if you were going to hire someone to run this organization today in 2023, October of 2023, I can't think of a better guy. Even guys like Billy Bean and Theo Epstein, uh, who who would come here with a better resume. I mean, they're coming in here as outsiders, never done New York. And if I'm Epstein, I broke one curse, I broke a second curse. You want me to deal with this yoke? I'll go work for the commissioner's office and help improve the pace of play. I mean, I, he's got money. He's got his plans on something bigger, you know? So that's what I have for you, this State of the Union, this David Stern State of the Union. The managerial search will be interesting. Maybe we'll dive, dive deep back in. That's the only name outside of the obvious. Blake Butera, I said, maybe take a look at for the Rays organization. Managed Team Italy. You know, and on talking to Piazzi, he really enjoyed working with him. So, you know, that's a little nugget there. But, um, you know, look, now we're at the wait and see. Now it's don't tell me, show me. No more press conferences. No more how Stearns is the smartest guy in the room. I need to see. Got to hire a manager. Starts his offseason plans. This will be a, a, an interesting offseason. Uh, I expect the Mets to be in on some big names. I don't know if they have the capabilities, even with the checkbook, to get those names. I think there's way too much turnover now if you're a big free agent that if you had 
Look, if you have a choice between the Mets and the Dodgers and the money's the same relatively, you're going to go to the Dodgers. Let's face it. I mean, Cohen, and I don't, and he meant, maybe he's going to take a step back on the salesmanship. You know, he's been on the Verlander and the Scherzer meetings. He's been acting as team president. But uh, will that Midas touch still be there three years in? And I gave you the resume, a resume that's more turnover than George Steinbrenner's first three years. Is that going to still have the same impact? We'll see, especially after they traded Verlander and Scherzer, after they were pitched on the exact opposite coming here. Money talks, you know that. So anyway, what's next? We'll be back on Sunday. Have a really fun segment. Had a great conversation. I'm not going to announce the guests now, but we're going to start diving into the free agent market on Sunday and get some insight into um, you know, maybe one aspect of where the Mets can improve their team. So stay tuned. They'll tease that a little bit. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, and then we'll be back to, you know, we're not really taking any time off. You know, I've been thinking about that. We're not going to take any time off. I think it's important to use October to unwind. Maybe we do some alumni segments, but we have to start putting down the framework of what we want to see this offseason and maybe throw some big ideas. You know, definitely this is the time of the year where I like to do big ideas. You know, sometimes they're pie in the sky, but big ideas that maybe the Mets could get in on this and that and what have you. So anyway, want to thank everybody for joining me on this Wednesday morning here. Uh, first off-season week of the uh, the baseball season. Of course, you can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet. See, it's still Twitter. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can try Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. And you can get on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG, and also check out the good folks at the Fan Side Podcasting Network. I want to thank them for the support of this show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back with another podcast this Sunday. Till then, take care, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.